I'm not 
five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Thursday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
זמן, לכל זמן ועת, לכל זמן, לכל זמן ועת, את לאהוב, את לשנוא, את מלחמה, ויהיה, ויהיה שלום. לכל זמן, לכל זמן ועת, לכל זמן, לכל זמן ועת. I die, 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 I
Yashir Maisha Ubene Israel, Sashira Hazois, Sashira Hazois, Lashem, Vayoim Ruleimar, Oz Yashir Maisha Ubene Israel, Sashira Hazois, Sashira Hazois, Lashem, Vayoim That completes our tour of the camp. And if you like, I'll walk you back to the headquarters building. Oh, yes, thank you, General Berkowitz. You know, it certainly has been a very fulfilling experience here visiting with your troops. I'm, I'm certain my readers will be as impressed as I am with the discipline and precision with which this camp is run, especially since it's an army made up basically of civilians. Thank you, Mr. Campbell. It's always a pleasure showing a member of the press around. Yeah, well, oh, General, uh, excuse me, I... I guess you didn't notice that guard. The, the private we just walked past didn't salute you. 
He didn't what? <laughs> he didn't salute me? <laughs> no, generally, he didn't. Well, we'll see about that. Soldier, is it true that when I just passed you, that you didn't salute me? That's right, I didn't salute you. What's the matter, Mendel? You're mad at me. <laughs> J.M. in the A.M. with our Adar comedy segments that uh, seem to be beloved around the world. Thursday morning on this March 14th, happy birthday, Matis Wine Guest. Traditionally, of course, in the old days, those of you who uh, remember the uh, fundraising marathons and the way they used to work, today would be the day that breakfast would be a meat breakfast, a fleshig breakfast. In honor of Matis. <laughs> uh, well, we don't have that today, but we certainly have some amazing good wishes for Matis on this March the 14th. Day 7 in the month of Adar 2 at Zion Adar 5779, Tufshin Ayan Uh Let's see. We did the Uz uh, Yashir done by Aryeh Kunstler. Eitan Katz had Nigun Cheshek. That's brand new. Eitra Code from Yaakov Shweki. Moshav Band had the only one. Eitzheim was done by Mordechai Ben David. And, of course, Regesh. Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. 43 degrees outside with 63% humidity, winds to southeast. Three miles an hour, partly cloudy today with a high temperature of 56. Woo! Now we're talking. Then tonight, showers late with a low of 49. Tomorrow afternoon, showers and a high temperature of 64 degrees. Right now, um, 45 in Yerushalayim. 43 here in New York City as you say good morning at JM in the AM. A uh, big day today. Thursday always is, of course, on NSN, and I thank you all for tuning in. It's amazing how we were just wrapping up our week from uh, Israel uh, this time last week. Now we are here getting ready for the holiday of Purim. Of course, Wednesday is Tanis Esther, Thursday is Purim, but Tuesday, the day before all of that, we get to visit our friends at the Kushner Yeshiva High School and the Ray Kushner and the uh, Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy. We're going to be at the Kushner Schools Tuesday morning broadcasting. I hope you'll be tuned in for all the excitement leading up to Purim. There's nothing like visiting a school. And uh, yesterday we had an opportunity to uh, be at Kushner in Livingston, New Jersey. Um, the school is magnificent. People are amazing. And we can't wait to get there on Tuesday morning and broadcast from there. So a special thank you to our friends at Kushner as we get set for Tuesday morning right here at JM in the AM. Should be a lot of fun. By the way, yesterday on our way back from the Kushner School, we had an opportunity to stop by our friends at Aaron's in West Orange, New Jersey. Big shout out to them. Big shout out to them. They've got a, uh, it's the first time we were in the beautiful brand new store. So Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Yeah. Uh, by the way, today is Sarachek Day. Speaking of schools, today is Sarachek Day. Today is uh, day one of the uh, Red Sarachek Memorial High School Basketball Tournament at Yeshiva University. And um, later on this morning, we'll check in with the uh, head of Max Live. They're going to be carrying the entire tournament. Um... Yeah, they're going to be carrying the entire thing all through the day. I'm sure people all around the country are going to be 
completely enveloped <laughs> in yeshiva basketball, uh, or high school basketball, I should say. The Shalhevet Firehawks from California are, are um, seeded number one. The Mag and David Warriors are seeded number two. Uh, there are also uh, there's plenty of analyses online about teams that have been uh, seeded relatively low but have a very good chance of doing well despite what the uh, original prognosticators said. Uh, tonight, by the way, at 8.30 in the final game of the night, TABC is playing Beth Tefillah. Uh, other locals include SAR at 7 p.m. against Valley Torah. That should be an interesting game. Uh, at 5.30 p.m., MTA plays Hillel of Pittsburgh. And I'm trying to see if any other local schools are are in today's action, but I think that's it, right? I think the last three games of the day, starting at 5.30 at the Sarachek Tournament to YU, I think they involve local teams. I don't think any of the first five games today involve local teams, but they do involve teams, obviously, from uh, all around the country. So so there you go. It's a uh, it's another Sarachek tournament. We're all looking forward to it. And uh, we wish everyone good luck with the Max Live, all the announcers. We've been in some way, shape, or form affiliated and associated with Max Live for the last 20-plus years. M-A-C-S-L-I-V-E. So we wish them the very best from all of us here at JM in the AM. Last week's NSN on the Road in Israel was sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. More coming up. It's Levy Cohen at JM in the AM.
Should I, should I? 
חמודים אתם. אז ילדים, בואו נעשה שמח! מי ש, מי ש, מי שנכנס עד עד, מרבים, מרבים, מרבים בשמחה. מי ש, מי ש, מי שנכנס עד עד, מרבים, מרבים, מרבים בשמחה. מי שנכנס עד עד, מרבים בשמחה. מי שנכנס עד עד, מרבים בשמחה.
Oh, 
What do you think, Sergeant? How much longer do we think we'll have to wait? I don't know, Corporal. But let's go over the plan again. You put the dynamite under the center of the bridge. Right. And the plunger's here beside me. Push that and the whole bridge goes. Now remember, when the car with NASA in it gets to the center of the bridge, that's when we blow it up. But, Sergeant, NASA was supposed to pass over the bridge at 1 o'clock this afternoon. What time is it now? 10 o'clock. It's 10 o'clock? Shh, quiet. You mean he's nine hours late? Yeah, but what are you so worried about? I hope nothing happened to him. <laughs> Thursday morning with our other comedy segments here at JN in the AM. Good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. We're by David Bashevkin. Author of Synagogue, Sin and Failure in Jewish Thought, is going to be our guest coming up in the 7 o'clock hour. Tomorrow, don't forget, we've got the weekly update. Malcolm Holmline will join us. We have a special treat tomorrow uh, after we uh, present to you Rabbi Yudin's words about Parshas Vayikra and Shabbos Zohar. Uh, Rabbi Yudin's going to join me live via telephone right here at JM in the AM. We'll have an opportunity to talk about the 50th anniversary celebration and a whole bunch of different things uh, in a rare opportunity to speak to Rabbi Yudin uh, live in dialogue uh, during the 8 o'clock hour here at JMNAM. So that's all happening tomorrow. Make sure to be tuned in all through the day today, all through tomorrow. You don't want to miss anything that we present at JMNAM and the Nachum Siegel Network. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world and web at NachumSiegel.com. On the Nahum Single Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Coming up, our news, 7 a.m. Eastern Time News from Israel. Six-hour time difference right now between us here and the Holy Land. Keep that in mind. Tuesday, we broadcast from the uh, Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy, Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School. We'll be there Tuesday for our JM and the AM broadcast, and I hope you'll tune in. It's going to be a great pre-Purim celebration with our friends at Kushner, who are very excited. Based on yesterday's visit, they are very excited about us coming by. Wednesday's Tanis Esther. Thursday next week, one week from today, will be the holiday of Purim. And uh, we will continue to build up all through this month of Adar, up to the holiday of Purim with, uh, with great selections, amazing programming, and all the comedy that you'd expect as well. Full day here at the Nahum Siegel Network, Unlocking Greatness with Charlie Harari's on at 9 o'clock. Spin class, Michael Fragan at 9.30. Jew in the City Speaks, Yaeli Leibowitz, the guest of Allison Josephs. And at 10.30, Miriam L. Wallach on That's Life with uh, Revitz and Dr. Adina Schmidman. 
director of the OU's Department of Women's Initiative to discuss the department's inaugural leadership summit. That is all happening here today on the Nahum Siegel Network. Live lunch at 11 o'clock. And tonight, the Erev Shabbos show with Mark Zamek, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That happens at 7 p.m. Eastern time tonight. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 1 p.m. newscast for a Thursday is next. We say Boker Tov from JMN. גליצל מירושלים השעה אחת, שלום רב, כאן רן יביא עם מה שקורה עכשיו. עימות חריג בבית המשפט העליון בין הנשיאה חיות ליושב ראש האיחוד הלאומי סמוטריץ'. לפני זה מן קצר הסתיים הדיון בפסילתם של יתמר בן גביר ומיכאל בן ארי. בבית המשפט מדווח כתבנו יאיר אורבייטו. במהלך הדיון בפסילת מועמדי עוצמה יהודית התנהל ויכוח קולני בין נשיאת בית המשפט העליון אסתר חיות לבין בצלאל סמוטריץ' לאחר שחבר הכנסת העיר הערה. חיות אמרה, אדוני יסלח לנו, פה לא מתפרצים שאדוני יתנהג לפי הכללים. סמוטריץ' השיב לה, אשמח אם גברתי לא תזלזל בנו. חיות ענתה, פה זה לא כנסת, יש סדרי דיון אחרים. הטקס השנתי לזכר חללי מערכות ישראל שמקום קבורתם לא נודע נערך היום בחלקת גן הנעדרים בבית אלמין הצבאי בהר הרצל. נשיא המדינה ריבלין ציין את אחדות החיילים מכל קצוות הדת והפוליטיקה בשעת לחימה. ראש הממשלה נתניהו סיפר כי גם בימים אלה נעשים מאמצים להשיב את גופות החיילים. יש לנו מחויבות אינסופית להשבת הבנים. אנו מפקידים על הנושא גורמים מקצועיים. חדורי שליחות. אנו מסתייעים במדינות זרות ובממשלות אחרות ממש בימים אלה. נמשיך ולא נרפה מן הפעילות בתחומים הללו שהשתיקה יפה לה. מדברי הנשיא וראש הממשלה הביאה כתבתנו מיכל צ'ין. השחקנית והדוגמנית יעל אבקסיס הביעה תמיכה במנחת הטלוויזיה רותם סלע. בנוסף, התייחסה אבקסיס לדבריו של ראש הממשלה נתניהו בתחילת השבוע, שישראל אינה מדינת כל אזרחיה, וטענה, הימנים לא מייצגים אצלי אנושיות. היום הימנים לא מייצגים מבחינתי אנושיות. מה לעשות, היום הימני, איך שזה נראה ולאן שזה הולך, זה מקטב, זה מפלג, זאת מלחמה, זה הסתה למלחמת אחים. מה לעשות שהקולות הגזעניים באים מהימין? פרסום ראשון, ירידה של 27% בכמות האסירים הכלואים היום בשירות בתי הסוהר. בשנים הבאות צפויה ירידה עוד יותר גדולה. כתבתנו עדה שטייף. הגירעון הכספי הגדול יצריך שורת קיצוצים נרחבת בין השיקולים לקיצוץ. ירידה של 27% בכמות האסירים, כמות שתלך ותקטן. הסיבות, הצורך בלרווח את שטח המחיה לכל אסיר כפי שקבע הבג"ץ, חלופות למעצר, נטיית בתי המשפט להשית חודשי מאסר קצרים, ושינוי המגמה לפי הניתן יהיה להטיל על נשם עד תשעה חודשי עבודות שירות, לעומת חצי שנה עד כה. הקהילה הגאה תוקפת את אביגדור ליברמן לאחר שזה הביע את תמיכתו בנישואים חד-מיניים. כתבתנו פיי גוטמן. מילה של ליברמן היא לא מילה, כך הגיבה יושבת ראש האגודה למען הלהט"ב חן אריאלי על הצהרתו התומכת בנישואים גאים שנחשפה הבוקר בגלי צה"ל. אריאלי הוסיפה כי רק השבוע התנגד ליברמן להיפגש עם ראשי ארגוני הלהט"ב לעומת רוב ראשי המפלגות האחרות. ומזג האוויר קר, יחסית כמובן, גשמים ירדו מדי פעם מצפון הארץ ועד לצפון הנגב, מלווים בסופות רעמים. שימו לב, בבקעת הירדן, מדבר יהודה וים המלח, קיים חשש לשיטפונות. אלה החדשות שעורך רועי ולד.
Sweetheart, tell Mama. Oh, Mama, oh. Mama. We're snowed in here. Oh. The car wouldn't start this morning. <laughs> I think both kids have the measles. Oh. The doctor can't come until five o'clock. I'm coming down with a cold. The freezer is broken and all the food is spoiled. <sighs> and the house is a mess. And on top of that, Mama, 20 ladies from my Hadassah chapter are coming for lunch at one o'clock. <laughs> Mama, what am I gonna do? Don't worry, sweetheart, Mother is here. <laughs> First of all, I'll go to the supermarket and I'll pick up to eat. Then I'll take the subway to the Long Island Railroad and I'll take the train. Oh, Mama, I don't Please, want darling, you. it's only an hour and a half to the bus. <laughs> and then I'll take the bus, and from where the bus stopped, I'll walk the 14 blocks to your house. And for you, darling, I'll put the children to bed, and for you, I'll change the sheets, and I'll give them an aspirin so they shouldn't yell, and I'll clean up the house, and I'll cook something nice for the 20 ladies. They'll love it. Just don't worry, darling. Everything will be okay. Isn't that what a mother is for? Oh, Mama. Thank you. I feel so much better. By the way, sweetheart, if it's snowing and the car wouldn't start this morning, how did Sam get to work? Sam? What's Sam? Sam, your husband! 
My husband's name is Paul. Is this Tremont 71166? No, this is Tremont 71177. Does that mean you're not coming? <laughs> How amazing is that? One of the Odd Dark Comedy segments here at JM in the AM. Keeping it very happy during this happy month of Odd Dark. 23 minutes after the hour, it's Thursday at JM in the AM. Sarachek preview an hour from now. We'll do that with the director of Max Live. Um, next week, we'll be at the Kushner Schools. Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy, Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School will be there Tuesday morning broadcasting JM in the AM in Livingston, New Jersey. Wednesday is the fast day, and of course, Thursday is the amazing holiday of Purim. Friday is Shushan Purim. Big week coming up next week. By the way, tomorrow, weekly update starts at about 7.40. I do want to remind you that after Rabbi Yudin presents his um, Dvar Torah, his Torah portion discussion about Parshas Vayikra and Parshas Zachar, we will have an opportunity to speak with him live via telephone tomorrow morning uh, about the big 50th anniversary tribute dinner to R- Rabbi and Rebetzin Yudin. That is all coming up tomorrow if you keep it here at JM in the AM. So very, very big, exciting events coming up. Make sure to be tuned in every single morning. Gershon Veroba is next at JM in the AM.
JM in the AM. Ah, that's uh, Gershon Verobo, of course, here at JM in the AM. Just looking at the uh, Jerusalem Marathon site, the uh, Jerusalem Marathon is uh, tomorrow, the 15th of March. And um, just looking at the... Uh, at the different routes that that the different races, the 10K and the regular marathon, the 5K, just looking at all the different routes that they're taking. And uh, boy, oh boy, it really does cover the entire Yerushalayim. I must say, it really, it really does an amazing job in including the entire Yerushalayim. So the city, I guess, will be mostly shut down tomorrow. Lots of shopping for Shabbos going on now, I would assume, uh, with people anticipating. Uh, what's scheduled to happen. I think down here, I think the New York Half Marathon is down here on Sunday. That caused some situations last year. Have to uh, have to find out about the street closures in this area in lower Manhattan for this coming Sunday. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Zechonishmas Harav Zebner Alevi and Zechonishmas Esther Basar Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser. Just a moment. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. We learn in the Medrash, a Torah scholar, a Talmud Chacham, that does not have Das, understanding, is worse than a Nevela. A Nevela is the carcass of an animal that has not been shechted properly. How can a Talmud Chacham, who is an individual that should know and should understand, what does it mean that he lacks understanding? Isn't that in itself necessary for him to become the Tamil Chacham? The Marshon Sanhedrin tells us that what does it mean understanding? What does Das mean? It means that the person can recognize that everything that happens in this world is according to Ashkocha Pratis, the divine providence of Hashem, and that everything that happens in our lives is Hashkocha. The Tamil Chacham, who understands the learning, who knows the Torah, but does not understand this concept and does not see the moving hand of providence always in his life. So that individual already is worse because of their elevated knowledge of Torah and their lack of understanding of Hashem's presence in this world. That person is considered to be worse than the Nevela. The Tamil Chacham that understands the power of Hashkocha Pratis, of the Divine Providence, that individual certainly will know that everything that happens in this world happens because of Hashem. He will then pray on his own behalf and certainly on behalf of Klal Yisroel. We find that Moshe Rabbeinu waited until Hashem called him to enter into the Oel Moed, the Tent of Meeting. He didn't think to himself, I have plenty of schuyos. I did a lot of great things in Klal Yisrael. Therefore, I can enter by myself without being called first. By Moshe Rabbeinu waiting until he was called, it showed that he realized everything in this world is according to Ashkocha Pratis. We keep this in mind and realize that each and every day we pray for Hashem's protection his divine providence and guidance throughout our lives. The great Rabbi Chaim of Brisk once said, If you ever see me 
that I get all wrapped up in my learning, that I'm all excited and enthusiastic, and I may be stressing a point, and I may be too excited. At that moment, please give a tug on my coat and remind me, Ein od milvado, there is none other besides him. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
JM in the AM. Brand new eight-ton cats here on a uh, Thursday morning broadcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Reminder that our uh, NSN on the road in Israel last week was sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's Casino Farms on the road with you this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. Rabbi David Bashevkin is expected in studio any minute. He is the author of the book Sin Agog, Sin and Failure in Jewish Thought. Rabbi David Bashevkin expected in studio soon in the next few minutes right here at JM in the AM. We'll have that conversation for you coming up. Big Thursday here at the Nahum Single Network. Charlie Harari at 9 a.m. with Unlocking Greatness. Michael Fragan, spin class at 9.30. He will discuss uh, the world of politics. Jew in the City Speaks, Allison Josephs at 10 o'clock with Yoeli Leibovitz, the famous singer, entertainer, and Badchen. Miriam Alwalik at 10.30 with Robertson Dr. Adina Schmidman, director of the OU's Department of Women's Initiatives. He'll discuss the department's inaugural leadership summit. We'll live lunch between 11 and 1. Mark Zamek with the Arab Shabbos Show, brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. That happens tonight starting at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So make sure to be tuned in for that. As uh, we say, lots of action every single Thursday here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Tomorrow, Rabbi Yudin not only presents his Dvar Torah, but we get a chance to speak with him live about the 50th anniversary tribute dinner. Uh, we'll do that with Rabbi Yudin tomorrow morning here at JM&AM at 8 o'clock hour. And, of course, in the 7 o'clock hour, Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, He'll join us at 7.40 Eastern Time for the weekly update tomorrow morning here at JM in the AM. Brand new from Shmully Unger.
Hashem, koy omar omar Hashem, koy omar Hashem, koy omar Hashem, koy omar Hashem, koy omar omar Hashem, koy omar Hashem, koy omar Hashem, koy omar Hashem, koy omar omar Hashem, koy omar Hashem, koy omar Hashem, koy omar Hashem. Album. It's called On Stage. It's Shmuley Unger here at JM in the AM. Thursday morning at 13 minutes before the hour. There's a brand new book out there. Rabbi David Bashevkin has released a book called Sin Agog, and the emphasis is purposeful. Sin Agog, as in S I N. How does he have the nerve to turn that beautiful word synagogue into one that starts with S-I-N? We will ask him that question. Sin and failure in Jewish thought. Rabbi David Bashevkin is director of education for NCSY, the youth movement of the OU, and instructor at Yeshiva University where he teaches courses on public policy, religious crises, and rabbinic thought. He's pursuing a doctorate in public policy and management at the New School's Milano School of International Affairs, focusing on crisis management. 
And he points out, not we, he points out, that he has been rejected from several prestigious fellowships and awards. Rabbi David Bashevkin, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much for having me. You feel it's important to remind people that you have not had only success in your career. Indeed, indeed. It's in my official bio, it's on the back of the book, and it's a measure of pride. It's funny because uh, this book to me uh, really was was two-pronged because of this little note that you included in your bio, and then of course speak a little bit more extensively about um, in a couple of different parts of the book. Uh, one is of course this unbelievable analysis of sin, which I never in a million years thought there's that much to write and talk about. Uh, when it comes to the topic of sinning, which we'll get to. But the other one was this, um, I believe, desire among most people to hear the real story about our leaders of yesteryear and today. I think people would like to, it reminds me, by the way, of a someone who I'm sure you've heard of, I won't mention his name in this context, but someone I'm sure you've heard of, a well-known religious philosopher, Orthodox Jew, who when discussing this topic once, with him, he said, I would just love to know what the Chavetz Chaim did when he had to go to the men's room and he was wearing tefillin. In other words, I understand the argument or the position that certain details of, you know, Torah giants and other people who are admired in our history, I understand that certain details don't need to be discussed, but there are certain aspects of their lives that I think need to be emphasized were simply not perfect, did not always go exactly right and i think that that might be the best lesson for our next generations your comment a hundred percent i i discussed this in the introduction right and i think that you know when i was a kid my mother uh read me stories i read all the uh the art scroll books and i love them and this book is not meant to replace or undermine the importance of talking about the sanctity and the reverence that we have for our leaders uh, but I compare this as adding another texture, a little bit more texture, a little bit more context to the role of sin and failure, both in the lives of our leaders and, and more importantly, in our own lives. Uh, it's not a tell-all. It's not a national inquirer on the uh, on our gedolim, on our leaders. It's a, God forbid, it couldn't be farther from that. But it is talking about that sin and failure is something that our tradition and, uh, and our Misora talks about a great deal. And the reason you point this out in terms of the bio that we discussed, where you add that little blurb about, about your shortcomings, let's put it that way, is because you've revealed, or at least you made me think about this through, the, through this position in the book, that, that all of us really do what we're yelling at everybody else for doing, meaning that when we put together our own bio or speak to our own children, we, we hesitate to talk about our failures. We hesitate to discuss our own shortcomings. And it, it got me thinking. It got me thinking that it, that it might be really beneficial for parents and for Jewish leaders to include a little bit of that in their regular presentations. A hundred percent. I mean, one of the nice things, and I could also uh, blame my parents for this, is I actually grew up in a home where we were very comfortable talking about our shortcomings, not in a... uh not in a malicious way, God forbid, but in a in a very warm, friendly way. 
Uh, I grew up in a home where talking about our accomplishments was something we embraced, but talking about our shortcomings and areas where we struggled was something that we uh, focused on uh, e- with an equal sense of humor. And I guess when a parent transmits that to a child and they get the feeling that that's normal or in some cases even to be admired, then it just makes growing up a little easier. Yeah, I look at it as a uh, as a as a picture that has texture and different colors and different shading. And if you have something that has a very static, very uh, clean look, it kind of loses a little bit of the nuance, a little bit of the beauty. And sometimes, you know, sometimes our lives look like Jackson Pollock paintings, which, you know, has the paint splattered all mm-hmm. over. The ones that frustrate me tremendously. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but, but it's important to have shading in your, in your painting. You know, I was trained as, a, as an artist in my very early years. I used to charcoal. And the way that you paint a charcoal is really just through highlighting the lights and darks and the overall holistic image emerges from that. And I think that's a little bit of what this book is trying to add to the conversation. Rabbi David Bashevkin is here. Why write about sin? There's so many great topics out there and so many wonderful positive aspects of Jewish academia and general academia. It must be interesting, you know, diving in and delving into this topic for a, an extended period of time. For sure. I mean, I, I have a stack of books on my shelf, thank God, about a tshuva and doing mitzvahs properly and about inspiration. But I found that the way we talk about it is we'll talk about doing things better, giving more tzedaka, doing more teshuva, all this stuff. But what this book is really talking about is not looking at failure as the absence of good, but there is a way to actually fail proactively in a smarter, more sophisticated way. What, I, what I've said in the past is that every year before Yom Narayim, we always you know, hear rabbis telling us you have to do more mitzvahs and better mitzvahs. And I think that we also need to do better averos. And the way that we fail needs to be done in a smarter, more strategic, more learned way. Uh, so that way we're able to grow from them, and that requires us to be able to talk about sin as well. Meaning if we had <laughs> – this has to be clarified. <laughs> there, I said better of errors, not more of errors, yeah. mean, just to be clear. Meaning by better that if somebody understood what they were doing more or thought about what they were doing more, then it might in the long run help them. Is that what you mean by that? To a degree, I remember I heard from Ritzimar Zilberg um, once, uh, who's a Hasidic rabbi, lives in Eretz Yisrael. He came to speak uh, at Rav Moshe Weinberger's shul, and he spoke about people who, do, let's say, were dealing with the with the attribute of anger. And he says that uh, you know people look at it a lot of times as a binary. I want to do better. I want to do more mitzvahs, so I'm never going to get angry again. But they don't really have a guiding philosophy of once you get angry. Let's let's say you did it already, right? So should you just throw in the towel? How can you still make a negative experience something that has a, a positive learning outcome? But why wouldn't tshuva be the answer to that? In other words, when someone does something or does or behaves in a way that they feel was inappropriate or something that they don't like about what they've just done, what other than trying to do it differently next time can one do? I agree. I'm, I guess I'm expanding the definition of tshuva to not just include the absence of bad and the presence of positive. But part of tshuva is the way in which we look at our negative traits. Tshuva can't just be the eradication of bad. 
because then none of us will ever do any tshuva because we're always going to have elements of negativity in our lives. Part of the tshuva process, and I look at this very broadly, very in a maximalist way as a book about tshuva, but it's not the tshuva of, okay, now we're going to really be perfect this year. Uh, it's a tshuva about looking at all of our warts and scars and figuring out where in the larger narrative of our lives do they fit in. Because all that that you just described can make someone a better person. If they understand where it fits in, if, if they get you know, what role that sinning or those episodes have in their life, will they in fact, do they in fact have the potential to be better people? With, with, without a doubt. I mean, we, we don't, the, the goal is not necessarily uh, perfection. That's, a, that, that's almost unreachable. We're supposed to try to grasp it, but the goal is to try to figure out a cohesive narrative right. that has a trajectory towards perfection, but that can encompass every aspect and of our lives. And that'll bring this full circle, um, meaning what we've been discussing the last few minutes, that, that is the frustration that often uh, disturbs especially younger people, when we, when we present certain people in our history as being perfection. Exactly. As there, being perfect. There's no place for parts of their lives in the grander narratives that we talk about in Judaism. Right. When Judaism doesn't have a, a, a place for the realistic narrative of what our religious lives really look like, so they end up going elsewhere to find a place for them. And the important part is, is creating space in Yiddishkeit in Judaism to discuss and to process uh, even our scars, uh, not just our successes. Um, that is why when people quote, and I got to be very careful how I say this, and I don't, I'm not forcing you to agree with this, but I'm curious about your reaction. That is why when people quote legitimate Torah giants on certain topics and offer the opinion that they give, very often I will say, is it possible? that they're making a mistake? Is it possible they're misguided in there? And, and that is where a lot of conversations today begins in the Jewish community because there's a significant portion of the Jewish community who refuses to go there, who refuses to acknowledge that it is possible, in fact, that this rabbi or a group of rabbis s- simply are either making a mistake or are you know diverting from the real issue. And you know I think it's only those who are willing to admit or agree that you know that that mistakes or or thoughts could be off could be a little bit you know could I'm trying to say this as carefully as yeah. possible <laughs> uh, you know it, it's only those who can get in, uh, you know who, who can get into the conversation about that topic if you're not willing to agree that everyone has imperfections then certain things are impossible to to discuss yeah i mean i have a whole chapter on failed leadership um, and how we process and look at leaders who fail unfortunately uh, especially in the last uh, 10, 15 years. I mean, Jewish Action ran a cover on this. I have a little bit of a different approach. Uh, the concept of failure in leadership is something that we need to find a better language for. I don't really talk about mistakes in halacha. I think that's more of a, uh, a halachic uh, discussion, and I think that there are some elements in the halachic process, which allow us to even look at maybe possible mistakes in Pesach as something that can still be included in the Mesorah. What I'm talking about are leaders who disappoint us, right. and how do we process that? Right, and it could be even, and in many of those cases, it's leaders who are, are sincerely behaving the way they think they should or the way they think they should lead. We're not just talking about people who are doing things you know, th- that are obvious anti-halacha or obvious don't fit into Jewish norms. 
We're talking about people who are very sincere, but but could be either misguided or made a bad decision. I think an overconfidence, and this is what I couched the entire chapter, and an overconfidence in the righteousness and in the certitude of the leaders themselves is very often the first mistake that that leaders make uh, when they start leading their congregants or students astray uh, because they're in it for themselves and they're not loyal to the needs of the people who they are leading. Very good. Rabbi David Beshefkin is here. It's America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world, the web, and com on the Nahum Single Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. The book is called Sin, S-I-N, Sin Agog, Sin and Failure in Jewish Thought. Uh, am I the only one who cringes that you've taken this beautiful word synagogue and have started it with S-I-N? No, no, get in line. There's plenty uh, of cringing out plenty there. Plenty of cringing out there. <laughs> I'll tell you a little bit about the uh, uh, the, the name and the cover. Uh, the, the suffix agog, obviously it's a pun on synagogue, and you know right. you, you got to sell books somehow, and it's not, uh, <laughs> it's not easy in 2019, a lot of books coming out, so this was an easier way. But the suffix agog is a word that we use, it's the suffix for pedagogue right. or for demagogue. Agog means to grow or to lead, and what this book is about is sin agog, somebody who is kind of guiding or leading the way through sin. So it's a, it's a, it's a regular suffix that I've appended with a wink uh, to, to form the word synagogue. Anything else about the cover you want to mention now? Yeah, no, I'm very proud of the cover. Uh, I, I really began with the cover. It's a picture from a Israeli, a secular Israeli photographer named Menachem Kahana who came out with a gorgeous book called Haredim uh, where he was given unprecedented access to the Haredi community and I found one of his pictures before I even wrote the book. It was actually my inspiration for the book. And it is a picture from behind the Belzer Rebbe. And what enchanted me so much and why I made it the cover is because there is a little boy hiding underneath the table, which right. we highlighted, who has this forlorn look on his face. He looks so lost. He's listening. He's in the room, but he's not quite at the table. And I think in some ways this is a kind of artistic analogy and depiction of the readers who I am trying to reach, the people who may not have a seat at the table. They're in the room, but they're trying to figure out how is my story a part of the larger table of Jewish conversation. You know, your name came up this past weekend as one of the few people who would be very comfortable in almost any Jewish environment. From Hasidic to the most left-wing? That means a great deal. Well, don't tell the Hasidim and don't tell the left-wingers. Right. i got to keep them all in separate rooms. But, uh, or separate magazines. Or separate magazines. But uh, that's, a, that, that's a point of pride. Uh, you know, the new school is very different than Mishpacha magazine, and uh, and I am very blessed to be embraced by both. Um, all right, there are a few things I must ask you about this book. Uh, firstly, you do discuss sinning as an action versus sinning uh, as an action with intent. Uh, I mean, I, the most easiest example for us, you know, someone walks into a room on, on Shabbos and turns on a light. We know that that was done by accident, and, and we would assume and suspect that up there, you know, there, there's been no mark in the book for doing that. However, if someone, you know, blatantly wants to be Mahal Shabbos or, or, or do any sin that you and I, you know, grew up knowing is, is in fact sinful, sinful, um, then with the intent involved, obviously it would be a much different story. What can you tell me about that whole So this element? chapter this chapter is the one where I feel like I was most nervous to lose the readers because it has a lot of technical legal analysis. 
The basic question that I wanted to understand in this chapter is why is it that in American law, if I, God forbid, pulled out a gun in the Nahum Siegel Network offices and fired a shot and missed, I would be arrested for attempted murder. But the concept of attempt is not clearly articulated by halacha. If I went to Besden and you tried, is there a concept of attempted a crime, so to speak, right. in Jewish law. Why don't we have the concept of attempt? And it's really an analysis of the difference between American law and Jewish law and the role of thought and action uh, in those two arenas. And the way that I end the chapter is really the clincher, uh, which is while thought alone does not have the same weight as it does in uh, American law that it does in Jewish law necessarily. And by thought you mean intent. I- intent, right. correct. Uh, there's a beautiful line from Rav Hutner, and it's how I end the chapter, where Rav Hutner basically says, I'll, I'll read it in Hebrew, but I can translate it, sure. Where what little effect that uh, thought has with sin that we do talk about that the thoughts of sin can have a more deleterious effect on a person's soul than the sin itself. Rav Huttner says the thoughts of Kedusha, the aspirational uh, thoughts that we have, may be even greater than Kedusha itself, which I think is such a powerful way to talk about intent and compare intent and sin versus intent and in, in Kedusha and aspirationally, which is how I end the chapter. But it, it is a, a more of a legal, technical chapter that starts off with a very juicy legal case about the cannibal cop. You'll right. have, to, you have to read inside. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going to share the details on the radio. Yeah, I saw that. We won't do that. Um, so you've just given a big endorsement for Kumsitz, and Jewish music, frankly, because what Rafutner is saying, if I if I read you correctly, is that um, when one has thoughts of inspiration, when one when one puts themselves in a frame of mind, as many do, when you know a nice song is playing, or whether you know a Hasidic tish or a kumzitz, etc., that experience might be even I don't know if we want to say holy or might be more beneficial to the Jewish soul than than going out and and doing something holy or purposeful. I, I think that's exactly the case. I like the translation of beneficial. I think it's similar to uh, the words of the Svas Emes where he talks about a preparation being a, a part of the act of Kedusha. Aspirations have a tremendous amount of weight in our lives. They sometimes carry more weight and are more reflective of who we are and want to be than our actual accomplishments. And I think that's a little bit... Um, related to this discussion of intent, uh, both in sin and in Kedusha. Rabbi David Beshevkin is here, and on the flip side, then, you'd have to say um, that when one spends their entire day, like the cop in your book, spends the entire day with evil thoughts and terrible things going through their head, that could be a million times worse than actually going out and committing a crime or committing a sin. Uh, religiously, religiously, right, yeah, a hundred percent. In American law, I don't know. Right, you know, he was. A, you'll you'll read inside. Right. He was acquitted ultimately. No, but my point being spiritually, spiritually correct. That but they, spiritually, the deleterious effect of being consumed by negative or the positive effect by being consumed by positive aspirations can be more beneficial than right. accomplishing. The things. reason I say, it, and I know that these conversations sometimes go in directions you don't expect, so I apologize for that. But I think it's important. The reason I say it is because. When we as parents or others, you know, um, instructors, rebbees, etc., when we want to do something positive for the children out there, 
we sometimes don't realize that just giving them an alternative to help clean out their minds and give them a a nice Jewish experience that could be so important and so vital and such a great use of time. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of those who have Saturday night programs. When I was a kid, you know, there was no such thing as a religious Saturday night program. And now you have people who are gathering, you know, fathers and sons and, and other things mm-hmm. and concerts, Mlava Malkas, et cetera. And you've given me a greater appreciation for what that, what those things have in terms of the role in raising our children and being a positive force. With young kids especially, I think it's one of the hallmarks of Jewish music, and particularly of the Hasidic world, right. is that they've emphasized that aspirational education, particularly at the young age where you lay this bedrock that allows them to return to this aspirationalism, even though we know as adults it's rarely, if ever, grasped. But right. once you lay that bedrock, it allows them to return to that place of purity and aspirationalism mm. uh, that can guide them for the rest of their and lives. I'm, and I'm lecturing an NCSY legend about this when you, when you, hardly, when you, when hardly. you, when you've experienced all the havdalas and kumzitzes and all the other parts of the of the program that really are there to just, you know, again build people up spiritually i those who know me in the context of ncsy it's never culturally fit me like a glove i was never the guy on top of the table dancing Uh, i was rarely the person uh dancing and pulling people in in circles it's not my personality or style but the newfound appreciation that i did have for the ncsy havdala was that yarche kala last year when i had the the merit for the first time in my life to hold my child during Havdalah, and somebody filmed me and my son Zevi, who's two and a half, uh, dancing during Havdalah, and I see the residual effect on my son. He watches the video of me and him dancing in Havdalah uh, every single day, and this is already a few months ago, and I see the role that that plays at this age to lay that foundation of the excitement and the aspirationalism of uh, of Yiddishkeit that even if you you know you have those calluses of cynicism that grow later and we all have them I certainly do I'm covered in them <laughs> like a seasoned guitarist my fingers are covered in uh, cynical calluses you publish them at a weekly exactly. basis exactly <laughs> but um but to hold to to hold a, a young child and give him that experience that, and allow him to return to it for the rest of his life, it, it gave me a newfound appreciation for what we do. Rabbi David Beshevkin is here. The book is called Synagogue: Sin and Failure in Jewish Thought. One of the and, and I'm watching the clock because I knew this would go too quickly for me. One of the um, frustrating things about about Jewish history, and I have to be careful again how I say this, that you point out in the book, and let's see how far you'll go in terms of agreeing with me. It, it, it is frustrating for good people to know that our humankind and our Jewish people were founded in an atmosphere of wrongdoing. And you pointed out in the book, I mean, Adam and Chava we know about, but beyond that, of course, when we get to our own people, Avraham does in fact tell a mistruth, which I know the rabbis try to explain when it comes to saving his own life, you know, when, when traveling with his wife. Um, we know about the 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 um, uh, the should we say lies <laughs> the lies told by Yaakov in front of his father Yitzchak, making believe that he was in fact Esav. Um, you know, and and there uh, and we certainly know the terrible sin of what the brothers did to their own brother, and and that ended up being the basis of Jewish history. So, number one, before you discuss the importance of all those episodes in terms of our history. Am I right to use the word frustrated or 
or you know, difficult for us who are raised to be good people and do only the right thing. And, that, and these Jewish heroes in our history, in fact, did involve themselves in some type of chicanery. I, I I have mixed feelings. Uh, I have a good friend, uh, Zev Elef, who wrote an article on this that's quoted in the chapters on failed leadership that goes through the tendency to ascribe, you know, psychological or, uh, you know, it puts all the biblical characters on the psychologist's couch. And that's something that I uh, very much move away from. That's not something that you'll see in the book, though I discuss the tendency. Uh, the, the thing that I do talk about, and, you know, it starts with Adam Machava, is the role of sin in the creation story, namely that sin was not necessarily a deviation from the creation story, but it was an act of creation itself. Right. And I think that in the Jewish people, uh, in, the for, in the formation of the Jewish people, we do have at a lot of these pivotal moments um, acts of whether you want to call them sin or failure or deviations from ideals, because I think... In the fabric of the Jewish people, I wouldn't use the word chicanery, uh, but I would use the word um, that there is an aversion to despair. We emerge from crisis. The Jewish people were forged in the cauldron of crisis, and that is where, as a people and as a as a species, as the hu- as, as as the humankind, as depicted in the Torah, emerge from crisis to kind of instill within all of us. Jewish people, and I think the world as a whole, uh, the the ability to have resilience even through crisis, and the knowledge that our true sense of self emerges through our negotiations with failure on a collective level and on a personal level. Even if that failure is self-made, and well, that, that that's a great pun. All failure is self-made because, as I talk about in the first chapter. The creation of self is what was then, came through sin. Then maybe because other people are involved, it seems worse to me. In other words, if someone sins against God, okay, you know, now, now they have to deal with that issue. But when when someone sins and the act does have an effect on somebody else, and the stories that we're quoting, in fact, they do. Um, I don't know. It seems it seems worse to me. It seems like it's not just a a self-made mm-hmm. now i need to you know figure out how to correct this myself it's it's you've gone ahead and included somebody else in the whole it, story. it's it's certainly worse but the ability to expand the way you define yourself and connect to others i think the opportunity becomes much richer when god forbid you wrong somebody else you wrong a community uh it requires a much richer and more sophisticated type of resilience uh, to heal those wounds, and, and a greater person can emerge from those crises. And why can't our commentators s- settle with the fact that, in fact, you know, one of our forefathers lied or, you know, or, or, or said something that was really, you know, if one was being 100% truthful, would not have said. They, they have trouble doing that. I, I, I don't think that they have trouble. I think we have trouble doing it because we're projecting our own difficulty with failure on our others. If we look at failure as a diminishment of ourselves and we ascribe the reasons for failure to whatever pop psychology term is popular at the time, and then we ascribe them to the avos, we're diminishing everybody. We're diminishing the avos and we're diminishing ourselves. If we have 
a grander narrative for the place of failure in our own lives and in the lives of the Avos uh, that we do see the Rishonim doing, and that isn't diminishing the ideals and the stature that they have. If anything, it is elevating both the role of sin in a formative part of our lives and who the Avos were and what they were able to overcome. Rabbi David Beshefkin's here. One of the most important things in the book, as far as I'm concerned, is your... Um, is how you make sure to note that there are many different words for sin in our tradition. And every one of those has a different connotation, a different intent sometimes. I mean, you can give us a quick list, no? You could tell us a... Well, uh, well th- we, we have a lot of biblical words for sin. We have chet, avon, pesha. The question that struck me when I was writing the book is the word that we probably use the most and hear our uh, rabbeim and teachers quote the most is the word avera. Like we had so many great words. Like why on earth? Avera does not appear as a noun in the Torah. The word la'avor as a verb appears. But the word avera was invented by the Mishnayis and, you know, and my question was, is like, wh- what was wrong with Chet Avon and Pesha? Why on earth did we feel like, you know what we need? We need one more word for sin. Like, is that what Yiddishkeit was missing? And uh, I think that the word Avera is actually telling, uh, has some very beautiful values buried in it that made it very necessary uh, to create a new word for sin. And like I talk about uh, in the beginning and end of the chapter, Um, You know, there was a sociologist, Frank Boas, who used to say that, you know, Eskimos have so many words for snow uh, for every different type of snow because they grow up in this wintry environment. So it's somewhat telling that the Jewish people have so many words uh, for sin. And like the Gemara says that in the future, when we're forgiven for everything, our sins should be as white as snow. It is my hope that one day uh, snow will be used to describe our sins as well. Mm, Amen to that. Um, every one of those that words you mentioned can be categorized differently, right? Different types, different intents. Exactly, di- yes. Different, I guess, long-term effects or, or maybe um, uh, uh, viewed differently in the relationship with God, right? When one has correct, either a correct, or correct. or Pesha. That's a discussion in the Gemara and Yuma that I talk about, about right. the difference between Chet, Avon, and Pesha. Which one is the most serious? What are they all different to describe? And then I spend the, the second half trying to dig down and talk about what the word Avera, why? You know, it's so interesting. The wor- I- I've always been fascinated by words that are created uh, by, the, by Chazal that did not appear in the, uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the Torah itself or in Tanakh. My dear friend uh, Mitchell First of Tinek. Uh, he he writes about this a lot. He's like a linguist. But I just focus on Avera, but some other words that were created. Teshuva, uh, as a noun, does not appear uh, in the Torah. The word Lashuv appears. Right. But why did we create some of these words? And I think Avera is a really fascinating window to understand why would we create a new word for sin. Mm. Didn't we have enough already? Um, do you view Yom Kippur differently after researching everything for this book? Yom Kippur, I've always agreed with those <laughs> agreed. Not, not that they care that I agree, but I've always agreed with the Torah giants who have pointed out that Yom Kippur is their favorite day of the year. For some reason, I love Yom Kippur, and it might be the again the 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 the, the cleansing, the the higher spiritual plane that you're on because of the the lack of the the basic physical stuff that we don't do in Yom Kippur things. And whatever the reason, do you approach the holiday of Yom Kippur? as an important national day differently now that you've done all this research on sin? 
Without a doubt. I mean, uh, every year on Yom Kippur, I, uh, I'm i in Toronto every year by the shul of Rabbi uh, uh, Yosela Joe Kanofsky, who's a Chabad Rav who runs, uh, it's not, not, not a Chabad shul, but he's a wonderful, wonderful Rav. I've been going there for close to a decade. And I have a chapter over here that likely went my copy editor, uh, Jonathan Engel, who's wonderful, when he went through the book, he said, if you get into Cherem, it's going to be this chapter. <laughs> He knew in advance, uh, <laughs> but I have a chapter called uh, "Does God Repent?" It's the last chapter of when I talk about the nature of sin, and it talks about ascribing uh, sin, kiviyachal, so to speak, to God Himself. And a lot of what that chapter talks about is how I've shifted in the way I view Yom Kippur, and that I look at Yom Kippur uh, less as a uh, unilateral approach of me making amends uh, with God. But Yom Kippur has a bilateral component where we're both making amends with each other, like uh, like a couple who's been fighting the whole year, disappointing each other, frustrating one another. Uh, on Yom Kippur, uh, we're both doing tshuva to a degree. Anniversary uh, dinner. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and and for sure, uh, my relationship to Yom Kippur has, has changed a great deal uh, since kind of writing that book and, and certainly in light of that chapter. How long does it take to research this book? How long does it take to write it? It's a great question. I had a lot. Well, I put out a, a Hebrew work before this called Barogez Rachem Tizkor. Uh, not exactly a bestseller, uh, thank God. Like uh, even at like, the farm sale. Even at the farm sale. <laughs> even like this one, you got to give it a catchier title. I was gonna call it Averos Kehilchasa. That would have sold a lot of copies. Uh, but it was Eloi Nishmas, my grandparents. I said they went through enough, enough in this world. They don't need their tribute uh, in in the next world to be Averos Kehilchasa. Um, but, but I, I, I had a lot of the, uh, rabbinic research done in the Safer, and then there was a lot of academic research, you know, there's a long bibliography yeah. in the back. A lot of footnotes, a lot of bibliography. Um, thank God, I, I get a lot of support from, uh, from NCSY and from Yeshiva University in, in the work that I do, and it took me a few months, uh, to write and research. I, I did both simultaneously, I did a chapter by chapter. And uh, thank God I had a little bit of siyata deshmaya in getting it done. Well, Rabbi uh, David Bashevkin's uh, uh, hardcore fans be frustrated that there's not enough humor in this book. Will that be an issue, do you think? Will they be disappointed when reaching the last page and they haven't been laughing out loud? <laughs> That's, uh, there are winks. There are winks. There, it's certainly not a, a top five uh, mishpacha column, you know, top five averas. I, I, mishpacha wouldn't let me do that one. Um, when I when I submitted the manuscript, it gets uh, reviewed by anonymous reviewers, and one of them likes head exploded. These are serious academic people, because in one of the footnotes, uh, I quote my own Twitter account. <laughs> And they lost it. They said this guy is quoting his own Twitter account, so he wasn't a part of the uh, the Twitter the Twitter chevra who I who I think in the back. I think a lot of the virtual cohorts that I was they're a part an important of, part of your oh, life. Absolutely, the Twitter chevra was uh, was a big part of this book, and they're thanked uh, in the back for sure. Unbelievable. Well, it's a, it's very interesting. I found it fascinating, and uh, I, I find that the older one gets, at least in my case, the more complicated these issues become. For sure. And, you know, I'll, I'll say one thing that I think that the fact that I write like the humor columns for Mishpacha and write a book like this, th that's coming from the same place. You know, if you read Viktor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, and I heard this uh, in the Hespid that my dear friend Josh Grajauer uh, gave uh, for, for his wife, 
uh, he quoted this uh, a passage from from Viktor Frankl, where Viktor Frankl really highlights the role of humor in dealing with crisis, failure, suffering. Uh, there's no better tool than humor itself. If I could write a, a second or third book, it would be the role of humor and laughter in uh, in sin and failure. It's such an important strategy and approach. And uh, I know in my own life, when I'm going through something bad, I, I listen to, to a ton of stand-up comedy and this stuff. This is such a great strategy and approach, and it's something that just like Jewish music and just like rabbinic ideas, bringing humor and laughter in your, in your home is one of the best antidotes uh, for crisis and frustration and difficulty that you, could, that you could do for yourself and your children. Very important, especially for those who feel guilty when laughing at an inappropriate time. Very important you say that, no joke. Um... Is there a uh, Mishpacha article this week or not? Have they given you the week Yes, no, there week? is a Mishpacha article this week. I This week, last week I wrote about the five people who you're going to have at your Purim Suda. Right. This week is a more of like a rumination of my relationship through the years with Purim as mm. a child, as a yeshiva guy, and as a married person. The transition... Uh, from Purim, from a you know older bachelor, my Narius Rall days, the drop dead drunk episodes, oh, the, <laughs> those those years into married Purim. That was a steep learning curve, my friend. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I learned I, quick. I, probably a steep set of stairs. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and I talk about how my relationship with Purim is all about my relationship with expectations. That's what it is. Purim is all about the hype. What are you doing this year? What's your Shalach Manos theme? What are you dressing up as? Do you remember last year? Oh, is this year going to be good? And I write about how Purim has been a window for my relationship with either failed or uh, or fulfilled expectations. Do you attend any Purim Chagigot or Tishes during the uh, Wednesday night through Thursday night uh, time period? I I do, but they are they are off the they are off the grid. I have a very focused uh, suda with uh, l- less than a ham. We're lucky if we get a mezuman. It is a very focused uh, suda with some of my dearest closest uh, friends. And it's like instead of like splashing water against the wall, it's like a focused uh, laser beam. It's very intense. It's very wonderful. It's very sweet. And then later, I participate in the uh, commencement ceremonies at the University of Purim. <laughs> Where does that take place? <laughs> I think it takes place in Gavi uh, Bolino Shul on the Sixth Street. I, 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 I'm not sure if I have all the information. That's right here. Yeah, it's right here. But the University of Purim always has a commencement. Yeah. Unbelievable! I'll tell you. Uh, are you one who writes Purim Torah or? Uh... That's not, yeah, that's, not, that's I, not your forte. That's not my forte. I when disseminate you, and I enjoy it. And but uh, and did you ever write any perm spiels during your career? Like, yes, that yes, was part yes, of your, yes, uh, yes, yes. With my dear friend uh, Joey Ifra, <laughs> who's my chavrusa now, a little bit my business partner. Uh, he uh, he's wonderful. He used to do. I mean, it was always in yeshiva. It was always the best guys who starred in the perm spiel. Yeah, of course, that's what it was. And I think that that's a telling thing that humor, the people in the perm it wasn't the people in the back of the base measures. It was right. the top guys in Rabbi Berkowitz this year in Yeshiva University. It was Rabbi Daniel Feldman, who was the top right. talent of Rabbi Schechter. Right. It's, always, it's always the very strong guys, because I think we need to prop that up as being able to learn a Rajba and say a good joke comes from the same type of mind. Ah, Rabbi Vashevkin, this has been a real delight. I can't thank you enough for being here, and uh, always a joy to share both uh, sins and successes together. <laughs> and humor. Uh, synagogue, Sin and Failure in Jewish Thought. It's written by David Bashevkin. I'm assuming it's available everywhere. Yes.
It's out there. Out there, Amazon, the whole Jewish thing. stores near you. Synagogue, everybody. Check it out. Everybody, David Beshefkin, by the way, if you're not familiar with what we are alluding to in terms of all the humor and articles, Mishpacha Magazine features him on a regular basis in a very interesting column that usually gets one to laugh out loud, so you can check that out and uh, enjoy. Thursday morning broadcast. Plenty more coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM. <laughs>
J.M. in the A.M. I just told Rabbi Shefkin as he was leaving that this is the only show in the world that can go from a philosophical discussion about sin to a preview of the Sarachek tournament. <laughs> this is the only show I know of that could pull that off, frankly, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Uh, J.M. on a Thursday on this 14th of March. Happy birthday, Matis Weingast, 7th of Adar 2 at Zion Adar. Partly cloudy with a high of 56. Great weather for us here in the New York area. Um, want to thank our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms. Our NSN on the road in Israel was sponsored by Aaron's Casino Farms. Make sure to take Aaron's with you on the road this Pesach for all your Pesach needs. Thank you to Aaron's Casino Farms where they have just opened up Hava Java. Hava Java is opening up this week at Aaron's Casino Farms. You'll see it and check it out when you walk into the store. Tuesday, we're at the Kushner School. Tuesday, we're at Kushner. Spent some time there yesterday with my staff and the uh, wonderful people at the uh, Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy and uh, Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School, and um, they are set for an amazing show this coming Tuesday. Cannot wait. Uh, don't forget, tomorrow, Rabbi Yudin is with us. Not only will he give a Devar Torah about Parshas Vayikra and Shabbos Zacher, he'll also speak with me directly uh, live via telephone. We'll talk about the 50th anniversary tribute dinner and a whole uh, whole bunch more. That's uh, all happening tomorrow in the 8 o'clock hour with Rabbi Yudin. In the 7 o'clock hour, it's uh, Malcolm Holmline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us for the weekly update tomorrow at JM in the AM. Well, David Schwartzman is with us live via telephone. Really, really nice guy, this David Schwartzman. He's the president of Max Live. Uh, Max Live and the Nahum Siegel Network have had a relationship for over 20 years, believe it or not. Um, in fact, one of the early Max Live programs autographed by all their members is hanging on the uh, Nahum Siegel Network wall here in our uh, beautiful radio studio. Sarachek Tournament, inviting Yeshiva High Schools from around the United States and Canada, begins today at Yeshiva University. David Schwartzman, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you so much for having me, and um, you know it was it was an honor having you having a legend like Nachum Siegel on our show in the beginning of the season, and hopefully you can stop by and maybe we'll get you some action during Sarachek. Well, I appreciate that. Hmm, you mean like a halftime guest or something yeah, like that? Well, we could, we could talk something off air, you know what I'm saying? Do, we, we could figure something out. Do halftime guests get gift cards to the YU cafeteria? Because if yes, I may just stop by. <laughs> maybe we could find, maybe we could work something out. There's a chance. <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. But that is a tradition in the world of sports that halftime guests get these great gifts. Um, listen, everybody. If, uh, if, you're, if you're tuned in from anywhere around the U.S. and Canada, chances are you're near Yeshiva High School. It's in the Sarachek Tournament. And MaxLive.com, M-A-C-S-Live.com, has all the action beginning this morning, believe it or not. First of all, David Schwartzman, is there, a, is there a, an atmosphere of celebration? Is there a buzz around campus knowing that within a couple of hours it will be filled with hundreds and hundreds of high schoolers from around the uh, Jewish North America. Is there a buzz on the Yeshiva University campus? Well, there's for sure this some sort of feeling of something's about to erupt. You know, we're about to get so many high school students that are going to walk through these doors. I'm, I'm sitting in, in, in the lobby of Ruben Hall right now, just where in the building, just downstairs of me is going to be where the tournament takes place. Just outside is this big red Sarachek tournament 2019 sign. So just over the last couple of days, 
Things have been really building up. We're really getting excited. You really can feel something in the air here, and it's going it's to be a fun weekend, and there's a lot of storylines going into, going into um, this Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Monday, uh, these games. So, so a lot of buzz, a lot of discussion about what's going to happen. So, but, but we're all really excited, and, and we've all put in a lot of hard work. So, let so me, it's just really exciting. Let me, let me see if I'm right about some of these storylines, and then, and then we can go into detail. First of all, I am right that Shalhevet from California is seated number one, and that the experts say, and every expert says, that nobody else deserves to be seated number one. Would that be true? So I talked to Gabe Leifer on the bas- on, on, on the YU basketball team. I'm sure people are familiar with him. He said to me, there, he said there is a very, very slim chance anyone would shall have it in this tournament, and I, I happen to agree with him. Wow. Um, it doesn't seem like anyone was really so deserving, and, and I think that that really goes to show with the second seed. Second seed is Mag and David, and they, couldn't even, they didn't even win the Yeshiva League. So, so we'll see what happens, but it, doesn't, it seems like there's a lot of separation between that one and two seed. But imagine the pressure. Imagine the pressure of them flying 3,000 miles to a court they've never played on, unless some of the players were there last year. Imagine flying 3,000 miles, coming here with that type of expectation. As as good and confident as they are, you have to admit there's a little bit of pressure on them. There's got Sure, there's got to be some sort of pressure, you know. It's also kind of like the Battle of L.A., and it happens to be Eula comes in ranked number eight. I've heard a lot of people say they're the dark horse, and they're probably the team that would beat Shalhevet. They went, they, they played earlier this year. They went to – Eula was leading in the, thir- in the fourth quarter. So from who, from who I've talked to, the experts say that if there's going to be one team to beat them, the chances are it could be Eula at number eight, as surprising as that would be. If we see that matchup, don't be surprised if Shalhevet goes down in that one. That might be the only chance – we have to see Shahaba go down, but otherwise it seems like they, they have a bit of an easy path. But that, that pressure does come on. You, you don't want to come in um, in that number one seed with, with, you know, last year they came in, they were the number one seed, and a lot of people thought that Valley Torah should be the number one seed. So you kind of have something to play for. You know, people were saying that they weren't, that they, they maybe they weren't so deserving of that one seed. They did end up going on to win the whole thing. But, you know, this year it seems like there's a lot more separation between one and two than there were last year. Wow, very interesting. David Schwartzman's with us, Max Live. We'll talk about the broadcasts in a minute. One other note that I wanted to point out, I mean, MTA, the host school, is in the middle of the pack. They're seated at 13. But did you notice that all the other local schools, Mag and David, Frisch, DRS, TABC, SAR, they are all seated between two and six, and they're all bunched together like that. Uh, I, I guess that's a, that's a nice testament to the Yeshiva League and how it's going in 2019, right? So, so for sure. I mean, if you look at the Yeshiva League in general, the, the amount of parity was, was unbelievable. I'm try- I was trying to figure out, you know, Heschel won the Yeshiva League Championships. So I was trying to figure out the last time that's happened that a non-Sarachek team won the Yeshiva League Championship. Right. And, and I-, I asked my good friend Menachem Lewin what he had to say, and he said since his time being here, he's never seen um, the Yeshiva League champion not be in Sarachek. Right. So, so, so it's really fascinating. But, yeah, it seems like there are a lot of good teams. I'm not sure if that's, an att- I'm not sure if that's credited to the fact that there are a lot of good teams in the Yeshiva League or just that the, that the talent around the league you know, isn't the same as it used to be, right. but 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 it seems to be that the Yeshiva League right now is, is at an all-time high. We have all those teams high up, and you know, even you know, I even look at a team like MTA that's ranked at number thirteen. And I wouldn't be surprised if they make some sort of deep run in the tier two in the tier two bracket. Very interesting, I'll tell you. And uh, you said Eula's a dark horse. I know Maimonides is seated even higher. So they're from Massachusetts, right? So my, yeah, Maimonides is a fascinating thing themselves. It's a fascinating situation themselves. They have two guys over six four. I always like to say size, size, size. That's really what matters. Um, when these schools come from out of town, that's, that's kind of the way that you can match up well against these Yeshiva League teams. 
So my Monomies is also a good team to look out for. That's, I think that's the highest ranked or, or the second highest ranked um, out-of-town team. And they've got two guys, one sophomore. I'm, I'm, I'm forgetting his name, but one sophomore I believe is over 6'4". So, you know, they got the size, but we, we'll, see, we'll see what they have to offer here coming in the next couple of days. All right, the local teams that are playing today are all tonight, right, starting at 5.30 until 10 p.m. If you want to see a local team play today in the first round, you'd have to be in the uh, Max Stern Athletic Center beginning at about 5.30 this evening. I believe so. And then, that, and then tomorrow tomorrow morning is kind of what everyone's been waiting for. You know, everyone wants to see Maggie David get back out there after last Sunday's loss. And um, a lot of people think that maybe SAR and DRS were, were taken out of the Yeshiva League a little, a little too early. So tomorrow morning they're going to be able to they're going to get their chance at redemption. So we'll, we'll see what happens with those teams tomorrow. You don't have it in front of you who Mag and David would play tomorrow, do you? You, you don't know who which, which game I, which winner? Yeah, they I don't play. know off the top of my head. Um, I, I don't. I, I, I don't but, have, have it right in front of me. But 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 Mag and David. Mag and David's another fascinating team. That that team that team. You know, I was coach. I was talking to Coach Dweck the other day, who said these guys can coach themselves. And then they that was before the game, and then they went out and lost to Heschel. So. So we'll see what happens in this tournament. This is their chance of redemption. Wow, interesting. That is interesting. Um, and then Sunday is the big day for the semifinals. In the middle of the day, Sunday, what essentially are the two biggest games of the tournament outside of the championship, of course. Uh, those happen right in the middle of the day. And sometimes you have a completely sold-out crowd there for those, right? Yeah, we. this place gets packed. You'll see if, if, you, if you come out, you know, I, I used to think that would try, it makes kind of more sense that the night games we packed. But, but for some reason, these 4 o'clock, you know, 2.30, 4 o'clock games are the place to find a place to stand. Luckily, we have our little place upstairs in, uh, for Max Live that we, can, that we get a spot to watch the games. But otherwise, yeah, the place, the place is absolutely packed. So you want to get there early if you want to get to, these, to, the, to those uh, mid-afternoon games. All right, and Monday is the championship. David Schwartzman's with us. All right, let's talk about the broadcast. Number one, anybody who wants to hear it or see it, they go to Max Live, M-A-C-S-L-I-V-E.com. How many members... Are there of the Max Live uh, family for this tournament? So we got about fifty guys working for us, and there's one very special guy that's going to be calling a game today by the name of Yoshua Siegel. So hey, hey, which, for that. which game? You know, which, wait that. a second, which game is that? Did he not tell you that he's calling a game today? You know how modest he is. Which game is that? <laughs> he's calling the the one o'clock game. I'm, he, he'll be on at one o'clock. So whoever wants to watch Yoshua Siegel and, and, and Jacob Dower, who's also phenomenal, um, they were they were kind of the breakout duo this year on Max Live. But there, and, I, and I believe if all goes well, Rabbi Aaron Cement is going to join them on the broadcast. So it's going to, it's going to be a good one. Wow, um, nice. You don't want to miss that. Um, I, I'm, I'm, again, I'm, I've, a lot's been going on, so I'm blanking on who, what that matchup is. I That's going to be the game at 1 o'clock. According to your website, it's Cats versus Sky High. Then that is the matchup, Cats versus Sky High. That's what they're calling Cats coming in from Boca, and who, who, who could be a little bit of a, of a – who I've heard could be a little bit – of a dark horse themselves coming in from, from California. So, so that could be a good matchup. You can catch Yoshua Siegel, son of Nachum, obviously. Um, <laughs> you can catch him at 1 o'clock, obviously. Nachum was not unable to plug it since he didn't know, but but there's that information for you. <laughs> all right. I wouldn't say I didn't know. I was just being dramatic, all right? Now, and, and those semis take place Sunday. And when you say 50 people involved, aside from the announcers, I would, I would assume that uh, you're using a different team for all the different games today, but aside from those announcing teams, you have a lot of people doing stats and watching the site, and I would assume responding to people who are in touch with you guys during the games, right? All that's happening while all this is going on. Yeah, keep an eye on MaxLive.com. A lot of interactive things. You can go keep, keep track of stats. We have, people, we have people keeping track of stats really up to the minute. Um, obviously, the stream is a beautiful stream. We're always looking to improve. The camera, the, the camera is beautiful. The scoreboard has, uh, has 
is also really good. And, and you know, we're just trying to improve the experience. So there's a lot of stuff to do. Go check it out. A lot of there's, there are going to be game previews. A lot of stuff to do on MaxLive.com. So, so we, it's a big operation. Everybody's doing something, but, but we put all 50 people to use. Hey, David, practical issue. If someone comes to the game tonight, is it impossible to get into the kosher eateries because they're overrun by Jewish high school students? I would say I would say eat before you come. That would be my advice. I mean, look, I think of the practical stuff. You know what I mean? Grab a hot dog for the road. All right, David Schwartzman, he leads Max Live. Very, very big day for them today. It's the first day of the Sarachek tournament. Will, in fact, shall have it take the crown, as everyone expects, or will there be an upset in this tournament that ends on Monday? That's the big question. It's all happening up at Yeshiva University. If you want to see the games, obviously MaxLive.com is a great way to do that. But if you want to walk in and see all this action live and in person, you go to the Max Stern Athletics Center up at Yeshiva University all day today. Uh, of course, all day Sunday and Monday, the big championship day as well. David Schwartzman, I wish you the best of luck. You know we're rooting for you guys, right? I know you're rooting for us, and you better come stop by and say hello. I am gonna. Pl- I plan on doing that. I hope to see you during the tournament. And uh, with all the teams that are out there that people could root for, we root for Max Live. That's the team that we root for. David, team, team, team Max Live is Team Malcolm Siegel. <laughs> we're, we're all on one team. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, David. Good luck to you guys. Quarter before 9 o'clock here at JM in the AM. Well, there you have it, folks. Not to put the pressure on Yoshua Siegel, but uh, 1 o'clock Eastern time, he'll be calling the game uh, between Cats and Sky High, Florida versus California, if you want to tune into MaxLive.com. And from what I'm told, there are a lot of other great broadcasting teams and announcers that are going to be doing games all day long at Max Live. So anyway, it's a lot of fun. It really is amazing. And everyone out there has an opportunity to just uh, go up there and enjoy or, of course, to... Uh, Tune into Max Live and have a great time with that. Uh, more coming up. It's Mordechai Shapiro at JM in the AM.
This court will please come to order. Mr. Rabinowitz, you are the foreman of the jury. Have you reached a verdict? Judge, Your Honor, we have been listening to the facts in this case for six weeks, and it has been a wonderful experience for us all. We, the jury, would like to thank you for the way you have conducted this case. Thank you, Mr. Rabinowitz. But the verdict, please. Certainly, Your Honor. We, the jury, Mr. Cohen, Mr. Fine, Mr. Landsberg, the lovely Mrs. Belkowitz. Thank you, Mr. Robinowitz. You're welcome. <coughs> Mr. Robinowitz, the verdict. Coming, Your Honor. Mr. Goldberg, Mr. Katz, Mr. Stein, Mrs. Cantor, Mr. I'm not lovely. The lovely Mrs. Cantor. <coughs> lovely. Mr. Rabinowitz, Mr. Finkelstein, Mr. Bloom, and Mr. Pinkus the Furrier. <laughs> Your Honor, the 12 of us have spent the past four days in the jury room debating this case. And we examined the evidence pro and con and backwards and forwards to decide in the American way, did he or didn't he do it? <laughs> Mr. Rabinowitz, the verdict, and now. Immediately, Your Honor. <laughs> we, the jury, after careful deliberation on this case, have decided we shouldn't mix in. <laughs> Another one of the great Adder comedy segments. J.M. in the A.M., Mordechai Shapiro before that. A reminder that uh, Unlocking Greatness with Charlie Harari is around the corner just eight minutes from now here on the Nahum Siegel Network following uh, J.M. in the A.M. Uh, spin class, Michael Fragan at 9.30, 10 o'clock. It'll be Allison Josephs with Jew in the City Speaks. Today she'll speak with Yoli Leibovitz, the famous Batchen. Miriam Al-Wallach at 10.30 with... Uh, Rebbitz and Dr. Adina Schmidman, director of the OU's Department of Women's Initiatives, discussing the department's inaugural leadership summit. We'll live launch between 11 and 1. 1 o'clock, we'll turn to Max Live to hear Yoshua Siegel. Then at 7 p.m. at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Mark Zamek brings you the uh, the Kedem presentation of the Arab Shabbos show at 7 p.m. Eastern Time tonight. The Arab Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. All right. This is a, a brand new selection from Uzi Bodner at JM in the AM. Thank you. 
travel by but if you've got talent perhaps you should be to try the world might tell you different but who can dictate what to choose you gotta know your mission is between Hashem and you Bodner, brand new here at JM in the AM. Um, don't forget, next week we are uh, set to be at the uh, Joseph Kushner Hebrew Academy, Ray Kushner Yeshiva High School. Next week, um, <laughs> next week on Tuesday, I'm laughing because uh, anybody who's on Facebook and and follows our good friend Yami Schechter, uh, <laughs> he he just posted an exchange. With me and Rabbi David Boshevkin from this morning, which is frankly pretty hilarious. Um, so you may want to check that out on Facebook. Oh, it'd probably be on my page also, right? Yeah, I would think so. Oh, yeah, it's there. It's there on my profile. Um, so t- Tuesday at the Kushner School. Wednesday, it'll be uh, Tanis Esther. And, of course, Thursday is the holiday of Purim. Want to wish a mazel tov to Aaron's Casino Farms. They have just uh, opened up Hava Java. Hava Java inside Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens. Check them out. You'll be able to enjoy some great snacks and drinks 
while you do your shopping at Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens, New York. Achenu Israel and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up a uh, a really good Thursday morning broadcast, I must say, here at JM in the AM. Charlie Harari's next, then Michael Fragan. Allison will speak with Yaeli Leibovitz at 10 o'clock, and Miriam L. Wallach has the OU's Department of Women's Initiatives Director, Revit and Dr. Adina Schmidman, joining her on That's Life at 10.30. We all speak to you starting at 11 a.m. Eastern Time for the live lunch. And at uh, 7 p.m., it'll be Mark Zamek with the presentation of the Erev Shabbos show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Have a fabulous Thursday, all. My thanks to Ari Bashevkin. My thanks to uh, David Schwartzman. My thanks to all of you. Till tomorrow, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future.